0: One of my favorite books is called The Lord of the Hunt. I read it as a young man a long time ago at this point, but I wanted to share part of the first chapter with you. The war within me began that day, or it was on that day I became conscious of the war. Though I was but five years old, I am not lost for the remembrance of the event, nor for the feelings I had at the time. Perhaps it was precisely because I was all of five years old and had no words to put to the experience, but could only live it within it, wordlessly, for over three decades. Perhaps that's why it is so powerfully within me at this very moment. It was in December of 1957 that I first met my Aunt Sis. Sis was my father's sister. Everyone called her Sis, even my gran and grandpa. We drove the five hours from our house to Gran's, where, as usual, I was recovering from car sickness while the adults sat and talked in the kitchen around a big picnic table. It was always covered with an oil cloth that made your forearms go shh as you peeled them up from the sticky surface. A basket of leftover biscuits from the breakfast on the table, and perpetually half-finished 5,000-piece jigsaw puzzle on one end. It was Christmas time, and we were visiting just long enough to pick up our presents and take them back home to Memphis across the river. I also got two dollars and a handful of loose change from my grandpa, and it came with a standard warning. Everything I got from grandpa whether it was an ice cream before bedtime while Gran was in her bath, or a half cup of black coffee with him in the morning while she tended the garden, or quarters from his change at the grocery store, always came with a stern warning. Now don't you go tell Gran. I never understood the nature of the conspiracy involved, but we always grinned knowingly at each other as if the meaning was shared between us perfectly. This visit... Dad said we would stop at Sis's place on the way home. I looked forward to meeting my Aunt Sis with as much enthusiasm as a car-sick five-year-old could muster. And so we drove. And drove. My belly sloshed dangerously as we turned and bumped and rolled and tossed and jerked onto a dirt road. It was plowed up by the tires that cut through the dense red clay at the last rain. And at the end of the road was a house. No... Not a house, uh, a, I wasn't sure what it was. It was a wood structure, much like a house, only I wasn't certain that it was a true house. It was a quilt of gray boards, corrugated tin, pieces of sheet metal, and an odd-sized lumber. Old dead washing machines, bleeding rust, killed cars, bald tires, drab green 55 gallon barrels. Tilted farm machinery and garbage. Oh, the garbage! It littered the landscape. A honk of the horn and the front door swung open with a short, heavy-set woman waddling and waving and screeching children of every size. Eight, I think there were. So this was Sissa's place. I got out of the car and soon fascination overtook me. We kids climbed and explored. We cranked the rusty cranks, climbed on the heaps of machinery and threw rocks. Yes, we could throw rocks with abandon. There were no windows to break and no neighbors' houses to hit. We went inside, and it was much like the outside, only the air was thick and dank air, but an air, nonetheless, of dignity. As I looked around, I began to sense that something was terribly, terribly wrong, and it came to me. It was, as a five-year-old's terrors go, a most terrible of terrors. There was no Christmas tree. No presents. There were no red flannel stockings. There was no Christmas in this place called Sis's. I suppose my battle lines were drawn when I heard my father and Aunt Sis talking in low adult tones. Come on, Sis, take it. At least get something for the kids, will you? Of course we can afford it. It was then that I entered the warfare. I heard something command me with a holy command, and at that moment I knew better than I knew my own name, what I had to do. It fell upon me the understanding did it fell upon me the understanding did, and would not let me go, and has not let me go since I reached into my pocket and I pulled out the two-dollar bills that Grandpa gave me, and I tell you now that it was without an ounce of pretentiousness, no, with not a hint of desire for rewards, but purely from a heart commanded by compassion. I walked up to my Aunt Sis and extended my hand to her with my two dollars in it and said, Aunt Sis, please buy some Christmas presents with this. She did not take my two dollars. Instead, she took me, and I was instantly lost, smothered, crushed to her chest. My head turned sideways for air, my arms poking crazily from between her rolls of flesh, and the woman wept the happiest weeping I had ever heard. It was physically as uncomfortable of a place I had ever been, but spiritually I knew that was where I belonged. It was no sooner than my feet touched the ground— And I was still swimming in the good, good as in God is good, not cookies are good feeling, that enveloped me, that I heard within me another voice. Not a true audible voice, but something like it, like the other one, that was compelling me and demanding of me. And I listened to it, and I acted upon it, too. And this is true. I had still in my pocket some change. And in plain sight of Aunt Sis and the kids, I fished out a five-cent piece and I announced, Who would like a nickel for Christmas? It's free. The words had no sooner left my mouth that I knew this new voice, this other compelling voice, had deceived me. My eyes were opened. I knew good from evil. I fled that house and I hid in the car, huddled in the back seat, burning with shame. And thus, my war began. You know, every one of us has a moment in the past, a moment when we lost some of that innocence of just simply being a child. Today, I wanted us to look at Psalm chapter 51. David wrote the Psalm 51 after being confronted by the prophet Nathan about his affair with Bathsheba. And David is now repenting of his sins in this psalm. You see, being a king must have gone to David's head. He had set aside his morals, his desires to serve God, and his godly ethics in order to follow the way of his selfish desires. He looked with lust upon Bathsheba as she bathed. He had brought her to his palace and they had an affair. After this, she became pregnant, and then David tried to cover up that pregnancy. And you know how the story goes. Mm -hmm. David effectively had Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, murdered because he sent him to the front lines. The sin of David's was no impulse. It was no accidental sin. David wasn't caught up in circumstances beyond his control. David had made choices all along that led to this bad choice and this bad decision. David's story could be told and retold under a hundred different scenarios. Maybe not with an affair or murder, but maybe with lies and stolen property or any other sin. Maybe in some way, each one of us can relate to David's story. Let me ask you this. Have any of you ever knowingly committed a sin? In the court of law, it's called premeditated. We all have. We've all committed sin that we knew was sin before we ever did it. In Proverbs 28, Solomon said, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. To confess your sins demands the honesty of Isaiah, who said, Woe to me, I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips. Or Peter, who fell at the feet of Jesus and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Or the publican, who beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Or the Apostle Paul, who declared, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom... I am the worst. I love the words of David in verses 10 through 12, where he cries out to God and he says, Create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing heart to sustain me. You know, sometimes the human heart can be so stubborn. Yet, even in the midst of our stubbornness, our hearts yearn for something more and something different. But we know that ultimately, however much we try to get through this life on our own, we can never seem to get it quite right in our own hearts. And so we must recognize, as David did, that only God can fix our hearts. Create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. The book I referred to was *The Lord of the Hunt and Other Tales of Grace* by Steve.